Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your very sleepy hosts, Grizzly Abner. Joined by Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Vinny. Hot toddy. <laughs> Good to be with you again, friends. We just had a big old dinner and a couple beers, and it's just, you know, sometimes you just got to push through these things and persevere. And we're going to persevere through this episode to bring you another episode of the Monster Mash. You know how we do. We uh, pick out movies and make each other watch them. And my name is Grizzly Abner, and I picked a movie called The Dead Pit. I am Professor Wagstaff, and I picked Alone in the Dark. Hi, folks. Venomous Benny here. <laughs> I picked a movie called The Omega Man. And I chose Plan 9 from Outer Space. It'd be real funny if we all just spoke with our NPR voices <laughs> just to keep the audience engaged throughout the process. What so, a treat. What a treat. Uh, just what a treat. Toddy, tell us where we're starting out. Oh, uh, we're going to start out with The Omega Man. All right. Hit us with the dates and details. The Omega Man, 1971, directed by Boris Segal. Segal. Yeah. Uh, based on the novel by Richard Matheson. Uh, well, I Am Legend by him. Uh, cast is Charlton Heston, um, Anthony Zerb, Rosalind Cash, and Paul Caslow. Okay, so, uh, Vinny, this was your pick. It was my pick. So, tell us why, and tell us your history with the film. Uh, well, we had watched Last Man on Earth not that long ago with Vincent Price, which is an earlier adaptation of this story. That's pronounced Earth with Earth an F. With an F. <laughs> uh, I felt like we had such a good time with that one. Why not watch this one? Plus, <laughs> I like this one for different reasons as well. Spoiler alert. Uh, I probably... <laughs> I probably this is the second time I've seen this one. I saw it the first time a few years ago at a friend's house and I don't know, it was just different enough that it grabbed me, and so I picked it for the podcast. Now, okay. I've read that this was released in Canada as Back You Devils. Is that true? <laughs> back. Back You Devils. I was disappointed that he that he didn't do that. He didn't bring it back. <laughs> I think with his teeth, he couldn't pronounce it. It didn't come out right. <laughs> well, I feel like, I feel like this is more like Back You Devils. Dirty yeah. apes. Uh, Toddy, your background with the film? Uh, well, I owned it for years. <laughs> But first but did time you watch it? First time watch. Uh, I think I picked it up when uh, I Am Legend came out. I picked up uh, Last Man on Earth and uh, and the Omega Man. And uh, this is the first time watch. So after owning it for 30 years, I finally watched it. There you uh, go. Familiar with the movie. Honestly, until I Am Legend came out, I never realized that they were. Um, this was connected with uh, the Vincent Price film. So... Um, I remember hearing it like to me, this movie always, uh, people always talked about it kind of like with Mad Max. Um, so. Hmm. With Mad Max. 
Okay. <laughs> so you're not going to elaborate there. All right. Uh, That's all I need to say. <laughs> this, uh, this is my first time watching the film. I thought I'd seen this and knew within five minutes of starting it for the podcast that I had not. Just lumped it in with a lot from that era. Yeah. Definitely a first time watch for me. Did you own it for 13 years like Todd did? <laughs> I did not. Did you just look up? I how did. Many? I had to know. Fuck you. <laughs> 13 years ago. If it makes you feel better, I sold it and then had to rent it for this. <laughs> I get small satisfaction. I'm surprised, uh, Professor, that you had never seen this. Yeah, same here. Well, and I think it's one of those ones that, to where my assumption kept me away from popping it in, thinking that I'd already seen it, just wasn't in a hurry. Wow. So one of those ones that slipped through the cracks, but. Yeah, definitely hadn't seen it before. Uh, Vinny, you want to give us a brief synopsis? Did you say what you what your history was on it? Did first I time. miss that part? First time viewing, yeah. Okay. You're playing on your phone. I was avoiding a call. <laughs> I was avoiding a call. This is actually. a very uncomfortable episode so far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the synopsis is basically <laughs> that Charlton Heston's character is the last human being on earth who has not been affected by this virus that has turned the rest of humanity into this, <laughs> their vampire, like Edgar winter group. <laughs> Albino mutants. Yeah. It, it's, it's very odd, but so he's by day, he goes around and stalks and tried, tries to find where they're holed up at to kill them off. And by night, they try to assault where he lives to wipe him out. Yeah. Hell of an existence. So, uh, I've got to tell you guys, I, I want to vote. Uh, how many of you think I enjoyed this versus how many of you think I didn't like it? I never know. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten, we were discussing on the way, I told them on the way up, that I am completely... Split down the middle. On did you fifty fifty whether you would like it or did not? Did you watch this by yourself? Yeah, you liked it. I loved it. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really enjoyed it. I, I'm telling you, I was enamored just in the beginning, just because uh, the set design, the colors, the '70s. I mean, it had a very. Um, it almost had like a '70s grindhouse feel to oh, it. Yeah, without question. And I so, figured you would like the uh, the weapons. Yes, of course. <laughs> That's what I thought would sell you. You know, a good a good gun draw really draws me in. So, uh, no, I, I I really enjoyed this one. Nice. That's me. Nice. So, where do we want to start? We want to start from the beginning, or what do we want to do here? You want to get basically it opens up. You've got Chuck Heston cruising around in a convertible in the middle of the city, which those scenes are very effective when you see that when they, enormous... when they pan out and there's nothing there's there's not even now you can cgi somebody out but yeah there's, there's no one i looked i kept looking yeah to see if there's, there's someone no standing cars around. driving around there's no people walking like that pan out is absolutely amazing to show how utterly alone he is in the world and then it shows him the sun's starting to go down, and he's got to fly back home as fast as he can. And I like that. I like showing the when they're showing the inside of his uh, place, and he's collected all this art. Basically, he's trying to preserve the world he knew. Yes, in the hopes that someday somebody else is going to get to enjoy it. And he's trying to maintain good order. Like on this night, I dress up for dinner. Yeah, yeah. 
which is a, a thing in like uh, military outposts, right? So if you're on like a far outpost and you're starting to lose touch with reality, you still have to cut your hair, you still have to shave, you still have to like do all these regulations so that you maintain some sense of human identity. Yeah. That way you don't slide into madness. Yeah, that's what I do in the winter. About <laughs> <laughs> due for a haircut, buddy. Mm-hmm. I think the creature design is an odd choice in this movie. <laughs> when, the, when the when the first one jumped on his car, cause I was the original uh, Vincent Price one. They're kind of kind of zombie. zombies. Yes. Will Smith is like vampires. I've never read the books. I don't know how. And this one is they're vampires, but I don't. They know. were like I, I was like it looked, as mutants. It, it, yeah. looked, it looked like the uh, bad guy from uh, the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> <laughs> Whipping himself. <laughs> so. I found that the way the mutants were presented uh, came off a lot like the humans in Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, a lot. Uh, I I did like that Chuck Heston dressed as Austin Powers for dinner. <laughs> yes, spot on. <laughs> great nice. wardrobe choice. I could wait for him to say "Oh, behave," but oh well. <laughs> It's interesting that when they do catch him and capture him, that they decided to put a KKK hood on him. <laughs> Did you? I took out more of a dunce cap. Well, that's okay. That's <laughs> I, you know, I think you're onto something, though, because I think that they modeled Rosalind Cash's character around Black Panthers. And so I think that there's a lot of elements because that was relevant. Mm-hmm. When this came out in the early seventies, that uh, um, are you fucking with me right now? No, I'm, I'm all in. I because okay. I hadn't thought about that angle, but I'd been thinking about yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that surprised me too. Is when she showed up, and I was like, she's not going to be a love interest because I'm sure the the base camp of uh of Charlton uh, is not going to be happy with uh him hooking up with her. So that uh, that surprised me. That was a great twist. I think that the attention to detail in this movie is great. Like he sits, he's in that hotel lobby, and if you'll notice, all of the plants are dead. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was a nice attention to detail. I feel like I'm doing all the talking. Uh, oh, whoa, whoa, well, we're kind of letting you go through the the plot lines is what you started out with before we jumped in. Uh, and and basically, so Chuck Heston is out doing his thing. Eventually, he's under siege by these guys. Then he ends up running into a woman. When he's in a store, and holy shit, it's another normal human being. Uh, he gets kidnapped, basically, by her and this other man, so he is not the last man on Earth. Uh, they take him back to this compound that they have where there's kids. There, there's a small batch of humanity still there that hasn't turned yet. And why are they the last people on Earth? Did you explain that yet? No, I didn't. <laughs> I know why Chuck Heston is. There, there was a war between Russia and China, mm-hmm. and they created some germ warfare and this plague. Basically, the rest of the world got caught up in the crossfire. I thought you were talking about the specific group. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was staring at you. Like, well, I, I don't know the answer to this. I was like, I missed something. Why did these people survive? Tell me now. <laughs> no, I'm looking for answers. So Charlton Heston. <laughs> Just like in the Vincent Price film, uh, basically tries to create a serum from his own blood to use on this boy that is slowly turning. Because he has been cured. Yes. 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 He he was basically like Captain America. He was inoculated with something and then the serum was destroyed yeah. shortly after that. And so so he finds out that this works, it it does cure the boy. 
of his ailment. So now he's going to create an, an elixir with his blood and he's going to cure all these other people and humanity's going to be saved and they're going to head on their way. But thing is, the thing is, is then his place comes under assault and they take over his place and he's taken hostage. And then his love interest turns pretty fast. Like she was just like, yeah, yeah she was fast. out shopping and I'm like, why is she out shopping at night? And then she takes her scarf. I was like, ah, she's one. Yeah. Like that surprised me. I was like, did I look down at my phone? The pacing Did wasn't miss... great on that. Yeah, that yeah. is for sure. That was the only part of the film that I thought, yeah, they, they didn't shoot very well. I like, too, that uh, this is a time period where they're like, you know what's fucking sexy is we got to open that shirt up, buddy. <laughs> like, even when he's held captive, I was like, really? He's like... I thought they had some great use of squibs in this movie with yeah. the gunshots. and There was some really cool stunt work done in the, this uh, when they uh, when he walks in and the, the boy is cured and, and he walks in and finds him where they killed him, I was like, oh, that kind of yeah. shocked me too. I wasn't expecting yeah, that. Yeah, because once the boy's cured, he goes off to, to talk to the mutants and basically, I look, I was like you, but he, he can cure you. And they murder the kid. <laughs> like, yeah. we don't want your cure. And that's a, that, was, that surprised me. I'd forgotten about that part that is like, oh, wow, they murdered the child. Which is similar to the setup in Last Man on Earth, you know, because mm-hmm. they're like, no, you're the weirdo. Yep. And that's kind of the point that this cult makes. This cult calls themselves the family. And what they're saying is that we're in this position because of humankind mm-hmm. and that we are actually a better breed of human because we will maintain our society with order and we will not escalate to the point of germ warfare that got us here in the first place. Yeah, and they're not even really using guns. Yeah. Like the next thing you know, you're putting those on kind of things. purple Nikes and going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> they're, I like the catapult scene where they start firing off at his place and he just nonchalantly gets up and goes and gets his gun and starts picking them <laughs> off with it. And they all scatter. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, through the assault, he tries to escape with the woman. He gets outside and he ends up getting speared. Man. Straight up speared. Smoked by a spear. Yeah, and then they find him in the fountain the next day. The humans, normal humans, and he gives them the vi- the bottle of blood that he had. So he's got like the, a flask, of his so blood. that they can go off and cure themselves. But so that's the basic rundown of the movie. You just told us the whole movie, but yeah. <laughs> no, I um, <laughs> spoiler for me. I think this is a great example of. Checking in every so many years with an adaptation on a story that's never going to get old. You can always make the changes um, with your time and kind of pushing pause on that time that you're in with this story. And I think this is a perfect example because I don't think it's a mistake that the cult is called the family. A few years removed from the Manson murders and all that. Um, And so there's something kind of extra to invest you in the interest of uh, this person versus these people. Uh, for that time, and I, like I mentioned earlier, with the her being modeled around the uh, Black Panther movement, mm-hmm. and um, I just I think it's a really interesting examination of the time without it hammering you over the head with it. It's there, but the story still maintains and is entertaining. One thing that I was interested in with this is if that was the first interracial kiss on screen, which I couldn't find a specific answer on that between Heston and her, but I did look it up. And one thing I did come across is that uh, while Whoopi Goldberg had a television show in the 90s, she had Heston on and asked him. And he responded by kissing her on live <laughs> television. Uh, the first 
televised interracial kiss was on Star Trek. Yeah. Okay. Shatner, Wayne Shatner and Nicole, Nicole, Michelle Nichols. Which yeah. I'd heard that, but I, I didn't know about movies, um, if this was the first or if there was I don't know. stuff from before. Um, I For me personally, I think the difference maker in this is Rosaline Cash, not to take anything away from Heston, but I think that she really is elevated in her character in comparisons with other versions of this story that you watch. You either don't have anything. Well, and she didn't come like off that. as damsel in distress in this. No, either. and she's powerful. Yeah. Um, she's alluring at times, and then she looks pretty badass with the makeup when she's turned. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that she alone is worth visiting this at this version of it um, when there's others out there. But overall, I really liked it. It's a, a nice companion to go with those films in that span of time with Heston, Planet of the Apes, Soylent Green. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're all very entertaining, and it fits in perfectly with what he was doing at that time. And just one other thing I want to mention is I got a really good laugh out of him singing along with Woodstock and enjoying <laughs> that in the theater. Because at that point in time, I'm not sure if there's anybody further off from the hippie movement <laughs> oh, than Charlton yeah. Heston. So there's yeah. some tongue-in-cheek fun there with him uh, waxing nostalgic on that in the theater by himself. I love the uh, the motorcycle getaway on the dirt bike. And how every shot that when he's like zooming by and doing tricks, you can tell very plainly that it's, it's like a stuntman. Clearly, it's stunt like a, doubles. A, like a brunette stuntman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big old sideburns. All through that movie, the stunt doubles are obvious as shit. I love the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. This, this movie was a lot of fun. It's it's my favorite adaptation of the story. It's stylized as hell. The yeah. whole thing is, and that, I'm a sucker for that. Yeah, I like the LA setting too. It's impressive with. Um, how much they've got that shut down. You can tell they're shooting early in the morning. So that's some of the only time you can even get those logistics worked out there. It's interesting. Like I said before, that those scenes are put everything in context so well that pan out to show that empty city. It's a big deal. Cool. Anything else to say on this one? Check it out. Yeah. I recommend. Absolutely recommend Omega Man. Don't be the last man on earth to see it. (laughs) 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 Whatever, dude. Yeah. Just, you're a dad. Appreciate the humor. <laughs> All right, Hot Toddy, what we got up next? Uh, next, Alone in the Dark, 1982, uh, directed by Jack Shoulder, and a uh, story and written by Robert Shea and Jack Shoulder, with uh, cast uh, Jack Palance, Donald Pleasance, Martin Landau, Lynn Shea, and Stephen Dash. Yeah, good times. Uh, Professor, this was your pick. Yeah, I picked this one just because every so often I like to pick more obscure ones from the 80s era, especially that early 80s where there's a lot of slashers going on. I think that there were some real gems hidden in there, and this is one of them. Um, so it's not the easiest to track down and see. So for that, I, I typically don't pick movies to cover on here that are going to be difficult for listeners to watch, but I like this one enough, and I hadn't seen it in a number of years, so I thought it'd be uh, it was right for covering. This, this is another one like Devil's Reign that I'm confused why it's obscure because the cast alone... The cast is unbelievable. Um, yeah. Why is this movie obscure? It's a good question. I, there has to be some, and something hanging it's, it It's up. early New Line. It's I'm sure it's still owned by New Line. Um, <clears throat> so, I don't know. Um, had anybody here seen this before? I've never seen no. it until now. Never even heard of it. That brings I've heard, I've heard of it. I remember the cover art well. Yeah. Uh, I definitely get this mixed up with a lot of... Uh, I think every time we talk about this movie, because there's an early Tom Hanks movie with a similar, I feel like there's about five or six movies with similar poster and uh, title, yeah. all from early A lot of 80s. cookie cutter from that era. 
Um, well, the basic setup for this is that we have um, a psychiatric uh, hospital ran by uh, Donald Pleasant's character, um, Leo Bain, Dr. Leo Bain. And we have a new doctor that arrives in town, and he's going to tend specifically to a group of guys on the third floor, uh, which we are very specific in their archetypes and the way we build them up early on. Um, but he arrives with his wife and daughter, and he is to be the new doctor for them. Um, we have the, the four guys, as I mentioned, Frank, who is uh, suffering from post-traumatic stress. Um, we have the preacher, played by Martin Landau, um, who they, I think he's, they call him Butcher. I'm looking at my notes here, but uh, we have um, Ronald, the obese <laughs> guy, and um, we have the fourth one that we clarify that we don't, sh he doesn't show his face to strangers. Um, so, and they call it, what, what was his nickname? The bleeder, the nose yes. bleeder, the bleeder. Because every time he killed somebody or yeah. whatever, his nose would bleed. And so there, there's a lot of twists and turns in this, but I mean, we don't need to go beat for beat. It's a very basic setup in the sense of we've got the new doctor in town. We find out that our four patients uh, secretly blame him for killing the previous doctor to take his job. Yeah. Uh, and in fairness, they're crazy. Um, so that's their stance on that. And Jack um, Palance is like the ringleader yeah. who really hypes him up. And so we kind of set the table with all that. And then we have a regional blackout occur. Uh, what happens with that regional blackout is the security system has failed at the hospital. And so those guys decide to take flight and uh, get on with their plan of seeking revenge for the doctor that they had before by seeking out to kill our main guy. And so, like I said, there's a lot of little nuances to that, but that's the basic setup for the film. Um, and then uh, cue the name alone in the dark. We've got, the the doctor with his family out at the house and we deal with these characters one by one leading up to it and one thing um to point out is that it's not just contained within one evening which i like we bleed over into the next day uh, we've got the preacher uh, martin landau showing up early and him not the doctor not being home and him promising to be back which is kind of uh very similar to what they would do in poltergeist 2 with with the preacher walking up to the door and um but yeah, we've got Ronald, the uh, obese fellow, showing up, being kind of creepy with the daughter at the house. Oh yeah, because it's it's brought up early on that he likes to diddle little girls. Yeah, and so that's very uncomfortable there. Um, and light little light storytelling for you. Yeah, um, subject matter. And so also we have because of the blackout, we have. The doctor's wife and the sister who is in town go to protest the local power plant because they're blaming the failures for this on that. While there, they are arrested and thrown in jail. They encounter a nice guy named Tom Smith. Nothing suspicious about that name. Um, and he lets them cut in line to use the phone and gets in good with them. Anyways, he ends up back at the house with the family um, during the blackout. We have a When they arrive at the house, there are cops everywhere. Well, when the doctor's bringing his wife and sister back. And um, it's because of the situation with the blackout and the patients have escaped, so they're looking into it. We have one detective stick around, and uh, he ends up being impaled against a tree by an arrow shot uh, out of the woods nearby. And you kind of get into classic territory for horror movies at that point um, with uh, trying to attack a little bit of flavor of home invasion. And uh, true irony with Donald Pleasant's character, who can't reach them 
on the phone, so he comes out. <laughs> now, throughout this film, Dr. Leo Bain, played by Pleasance, could not take this any less seriously. And this is the guy who, who his calling card in the Halloween franchise is no one listening to him because he's the only one taking the ex escaped crazy people from the psychi psychiatric ward uh, seriously. So there's some fun there. Which uh, I wonder if that's kind of what sold Pleasance on this. That was right. like on my mind while I was watching. It's like, oh, I get to do this but do the exact opposite of right. what I'm doing here. And I think Pleasance, uh, it was big for him on who he worked with. He did some other horror movies. There's one interesting one called Raw Meat that he did with Christopher Lee just because they were on screen together. What's funny about this movie as well, when I was, I was going to post something on Facebook about it, how many different posters there are mm -hmm. and how misleading some of them are. Oh, without question. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because the main one that it's known for looks like a traditional slasher movie, which yes. it isn't. It has elements of it. But it, it's not the same thing where you have one guy stalking and destroying all the mm -hmm. people in the house. Um, do we want to jump right into the, the how it wraps up? You guys got any thoughts you want to share just on uh, the setup? Go ahead. Well, I was going to mention that uh, they introduced Jason in a hockey mask uh, a year before Friday the 13th did it. Uh, I, like, I like It's kind of a brutal kill, too, with that garden tool. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty cool kill. Yeah. Probably one of my favorites. Uh, also, uh, why there's riot? I was like, white people are rioting. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing that always stands out for me when when I would think of this film, the first thing that came to mind is the scene with the babysitter. I think the babysitter's name is Bunky, uh, but she ends up where she calls her boyfriend to come over, oh, like every good, good babysitter does in horror movies, and we get the scene where the person yanks the boyfriend under the bed, and then you have the knife just jabbing up. Through her, the bed. Yeah. And that's that was a cool scene. Pretty creepy. Well, she was pretty, pretty scary. stupid, but yeah, it made it it made it more intense. And especially if you got it during the daytime. Just mm -hmm. everything's kind of flipped on its head for that. Um, but basically we we go through what you would expect, and we don't need to need to cover who gets what, because if people track this down, they can still enjoy some of that. But I thought that that blonde's fear felt genuine as shit in that scene. That's a good point. That's probably what helped it make felt it so yeah. effective. Very genuine. Like she was really terrible. Well, and they're not relying on big striking strings or score going with it. It's just this quiet scene in a bedroom where you think you're getting ready to hook up with somebody and then you've got a knife jabbing up through the bed by something under I there. think this movie had some good effects. The dude getting home the hit with the bike was all hit on the bike was awesome. Yeah. Um and the big fat guy, the way they showed you his strength was done in a believable way, mm -hmm. but did a great job of showing what he was capable of, I thought. Yeah. So as as things heat up at the house, the, they have all converged on the house. We've got arrows flying through the window. They're trying to block it off. Our doctor at one point realizes they're trying to do all this because they think I've killed this other doctor. So he's pleading with them out through the windows of the house. I didn't kill the doctor. He's in nearby Philadelphia trying to deter him from it. Um, and so you'd, you'd have a lot of what you'd expect with uh, certain angles of the house and people trying to get in. But basically what it all boils down to is we have uh, Jack Plants' character, the, the leader in Frank, standing face-to-face -face with him in the kitchen with his crossbow, ready to kill them all. And the power comes on. And conveniently as the power comes on, so does the TV <laughs> where we have... Our doctor, our previous doctor, I think it was Dr. Melton, um, 
being interviewed in Philadelphia because of the patients that have escaped and killed people. Because there's other stuff I didn't cover, like there's a riot in town because, which is a little ridiculous, it's not a huge city, so I can't imagine this smaller town rioting when the power goes out downtown. But needless to say, they killed people down there and stole the van to get there, which would have attracted the attention. Uh, but he realizes that the doctor's still alive um, and spares the family. It de- just destroys oh, the TV okay. with rage and walks off. And uh, we close out the movie with him showing up to the not the nightclub uh, bar that we'd been in earlier in the film with the doctor and his wife and sister with the punk rock band. They went to go see a band called The, the Sick, Sick Fucks, Fucks, which are a real band, by the way. Um, and we get to enjoy the satisfaction of watching him beat the hell out of the doorman who was arrogant earlier in the film. And then he goes in and deals with a punk rock girl and uh, pulls a gun to her chin. And they both laugh. And she's into it. Yep. Yeah. And there's the end of your movie. Which, if the if the movie hinged more on the very ending, that would be infuriating. But who cares? Jack Palance in this patients. movie is another one. Like, oh yeah, an old man could totally beat my ass. Yeah. <laughs> well, hell, you remember him doing one arm push ups yeah. at the Oscars as an old man? Yeah. yeah I wouldn't mess with him. Um, but just uh, overall thoughts from everybody. I liked it a lot. I hadn't seen it before. Uh, it wasn't what, I, like you said, it took a lot of those tropes from what was being done at the time and kind of flipped them on their heads. It was cool to see Donald Pleasance do something other than Loomis. Um, it was cool to see that cast, you know, Martin Landau, just all this stuff. I thought it was really good. I, I It's not one that I am going to rush out to buy. Well, I don't need to buy a copy of it, but... <laughs> um, I, I can certainly see myself watching it again. I don't know if it be annually, but sure. I thought it was good. It was something I surprised that I'd never heard of. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's not what I thought at all. Um, I think I'll enjoy it more the second time around, but um, I think I did kind of enjoy that it wasn't the um, – I mean, literally, I, I kind of thought this was the um, – it was going to be the wife and the daughter stuck in the house alone in the dark. So I, I actually liked that it was a lot of um, – like older characters involved and um and then the the fact that um Palance and stuff was a villain which I I don't think I knew that at all going into it I was just expecting a serial killer and uh uh like a slasher movie so um I thought it was pretty enjoyable uh I thought it was pretty good it something about it missed for me like it it wasn't something where I was like oh man I love this movie but I think it's a good slasher movie. Yeah, yeah. and it's important to point out, too, that I, I think that if you're early on in your history of viewing horror films, this isn't one you need to push to the top of the list. I think this is um, extra interesting if you are familiar with the cast. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very bizarre situation that the people that are in this film ended up in a film together cashing in during this era, but they don't cash in in a cheap way. It's a pretty intelligent film mm-hmm. um, that remains engaging. It it never is bogged down or clunky. Like It, it moves along pretty well. Yeah. One thing I did want to mention that I completely glossed over in the summary um, is we do reveal the nosebleeder as the guy that they've met in jail. Yes, mm-hmm. And so he's in there hugging her. And I want to mention that because for all of the fans of Valentine, this happened long before that. Mm-hmm. You have the, oops, that's my beer being ready in the freezer. Um, <laughs> so in Valentine, you have the same thing as the big reveal. It happened in this. That I mean, they had that where the, the blood drops down on her face and she gets to realize. Now, we already know, but that's where she learns that the bleeder 
was the guy that they met in jail. And he's been in the house. The fourth one's been in the house with them all along. Um, I missed that. Okay. So, but yeah. <laughs> I think it was one of those like, look down at my phone, look up. Why is he attacking her? What's but yeah, happened? and that's what yeah. I like about it though is that the movie isn't hinged on that. It's yeah, just one yeah. little slice. It's yep. just, it's constantly moving with those. Um, and so it treats its audience very intelligently. And for that, when, when it came out at that time, I think that's uh, pretty notable. So yeah, it's just one of those ones where I feel like uh, many of us horror fans exhaust, especially the early eighties and slasher films. More people got to watch this one. This so. is also, um, 82. So 81, 82 was huge for slasher movies. Yeah. Um, so I think it definitely got lumped in with the marketing of it, but it's, it is not the typical and slasher movie. if you want to see a young Lin Che yeah. pretend yeah. to be a crazy secretary, yeah. you also get that in there. Well, and I think it's important to point out too, the year, the timing of it is that this is sure. This is when slashers are starting to come out, but they're not wore out cash grabs yet. There was a lot though, 81, 82. <clears throat> okay. Good times. All right. Thank you, Professor. Tada. Uh, moving along. All right. Uh, Two coherent films. Let's really break <laughs> these down. <laughs> Move along to The Dead Pit, 1989. Uh, directed by Brett Leonard, starring uh, Jeremy Slate, Cheryl Lawson, and Stephen Gregory Foster. Um, and I'll say a cool ass video box that when you uh, would press the the VHS, the eyes would light up, and which is why this movie was never available to rent. Yeah, because it was always out. So I chose this one, and the reason why is I remember the cover art growing up and the box art. Never saw it back then, and then I was at a crazy one dollar DVD sale and. This was there on DVD, and I would have never bought it, but I saw the cover, and I was like, hey, I remember that cover art growing up, so I bought it. Wanted an excuse would, to watch it. What'd you pay for it? One dollar. That surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's this film where we start off in this insane asylum. <laughs> Do you need your notes for this? <laughs> yeah. Hey, remember when everybody laughed at me trying to cover Italian movies? <laughs> I'm just going to sit back and enjoy this. <laughs> so we start out in an insane asylum and it's like back in time. And there's this crazy doctor and he's performing experiments on patients. And this other doctor's like, nah, man, you can't be doing that. And he goes down to this basement and finds that not only is he like lobotomizing these people, but he's also doing these weird ritualistic cuts and he's throwing them in this dead pit. Get it? And that doctor fights back and ends up shooting him between the eyes. And we think the terror is over. But then we fast forward and we're in that asylum years later. And this girl gets put in there and she don't know who she is. She's just a Jane Doe. But she keeps seeing visions of this weird doctor. And come to find out, this doctor stole her memories. Then come to find out that doctor is her daddy. I could have summed this up faster. This is. Were a there any black gloves and open razor blades? This is a this is a precursor to the movie Freddy's Dead. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> That's well, not far I, off. the only thing is, is I had fun with this at least a little bit, so I didn't think of Freddy's Dead. So womp womp. Opening that thoughts. That movie sucks. <laughs> opening thoughts. Um. 
Well, uh, have you seen it before? No, this was a first time watch, and this, I think this has a lot in common with the next film mm. in the sense of sometimes effort exceeds <laughs> execution. I thought you were going to say in sometimes terms of, dead is better. Yeah, in, in terms <laughs> of, of what it's like to watch it. Yeah. This, who, I don't know anything about who made this uh, other than they went on to actually make some pretty big films, but. They directed the hell out of this, even though it was a disaster. Oh yeah, um, and I respect that. It's a it's a mess of a movie, but you can't <laughs> help but feel the effort in it. They really are trying. It's just a disaster. Technically, it is sound as far as shots and lighting and all that kind of thing. Like all of that, like you say, is executed very well. Yeah. The problem is trying to put it into a linear. Oh, there's huge narrative disruption, like where it it just (laughs) you disappear. It's like blacking out and returning to the movie and going, huh? Yeah, we never get a full explanation on most of it of why the doctor was doing what he's doing, how he was able to come back to life, and then how he brings his zombie demons from the dead pit. There was an earthquake. (laughs) That's true. Which, by Uh, the way, I thought for a minute that was like a carry thing. Because when the girl was in the office and they were bringing her there, I thought she was doing it. And I was like, oh boy. The quote that I wish from me could be on the box of this film <laughs> is, bless their hearts. I, I can dig <laughs> that, it. That's all I, that, bless their hearts. So this doctor had laid in waiting all this time to get his revenge on the asylum. And he gets loose with his dead pit full of zombie demons and they start running around the asylum killing people there's your premise yep so uh for me uh i feel like i would have liked this movie better if i could have actually rented it back in the day but again this was a movie like with the necromantic movies but now you understand why they were never in but uh so good so probably if i would have watched this uh i would have feel probably like strongly like i do with demon wind because it's uh, equally as great. But uh, this is better than Demon Wind. Oh, by far. I will say, as I think of it, too, uh, the, the, the whole big thing with the water tower. Also, <laughs> Freddy's dead. Um, there is like a couple chase scenes that I thought were a bit effective, except for they went on too long to where I'm like, you dumb bitch, fucking like roll out the window or something. But um, I don't totally hate this movie, but I, I definitely feel like I would have liked it a lot if I would have watched this when it came out. Back then. There is some decent makeup <laughs> effects on this movie uh, and other effects. This movie tries to be everything and yeah, it was released just in Italy. a mess. It was released in Italy. It's ca- it was just called Kitchen Sink. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, which movie of these was uh, was there like a one FX from uh, Savini? Mm, I don't was it this no. one? I don't, I don't know. I you, swear there's you're the details guy. There's uh there's there's one maybe it was one of the other maybe it was Alone in the Dark. I don't know. Somebody popped up in one of these films that we watched and Savini did like hmm. the makeup on that. Hmm. Which I feel like it was this one because I was like, damn, that looks good. And then at the end it was like zombie one guy. Savini. Oh yeah. For for horror fans, this movie's worth watching for the effects, except for the miniature <laughs> of the building when the flooding's hmm. happening. Uh, <laughs> I mean, eight year olds could have done yeah. better with that. So, let me explain the flooding. There's one (laughs) crazy lady in the asylum. By the way, back-to-back crazy asylum movies. Yeah. Uh, There's one crazy lady in the asylum 
who thinks she's a nun, right? And so she keeps trying to bless people and exercise people and do all these things. And then come to find out, she legit is a nun. It was Bluto all along. <laughs> and she, uh, she has blessed holy water. And that's how she stops one of these zombie demon things is with the holy water. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's the holy water. Do you think you could bless the water tower? And so their plan is to bless all the water in the water tower, get it to fall down, and then all that water will leak into the dead pit and stop this whole thing. And that is precisely what they do. And when she blesses it, she says, cut the shit and get in the pit. And then it bursts open. (laughs) Uh, But did you guys like that twist where she finds out the doctor is her dad? The twist that I saw a mile away? (laughs) No, I did not care for it. Yeah. Do you think that they continually turn down the the heat on that set because her nipples weren't hard enough in scenes in her shirt. (laughs) There was something, because I looked at the trivia on that. And the reason she ran around in her underwear was so much was because they shrunk her outfit on accident in the laundry. (laughs) Oh, because that was the thing. I'm like, it was so blatant. I was like, like, this is a little gratuitous. Like, Oh yeah. She's just not going to hang out more clothes. (laughs) They ruined her outfit. And so she ran around in panties. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, man. It when? wasn't just because they were creeps. Yeah. Oh, man. Or so they say. So then, the big finale. The girl's eyes light up red like the Dr. Demon's eyes lit up red. And I saw that kind of, like, <laughs> their eyes were closed like for that. so long, it was like, oh, just get it over with. And if you pay attention, this is after Amityville 4, where the cat's <laughs> eyes turned red down on the beach. <laughs> Which, I wish Amityville 5 would have went with the Let's cat. be honest, this could have been an Amityville film. <laughs> it could have been. This could have been the Amityville Asylum. This reminded me a lot of Doom Asylum. Oh, big time. Yeah. Uh, I this... think I may have liked Doom Asylum better, but yeah. This... I don't know. This is a better movie than Doom Asylum. I just I, like the silliness. I of think Doom I Asylum agree with you better. on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. I, I ended up enjoying this one more than I thought 15 minutes in I would. <laughs> 15 minutes in, I was like. I read the synopsis for this movie and was like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. And then as I watched it, it, I was like. I was scratching uh, my head the whole time. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I'm going to keep my dollar DVD. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe when we're drinking, I'll make you guys watch it again. Yeah, I'll check it out again at some point. It's not a regular watch, <laughs> yeah. but when you're really wanting to like just run a marathon of garbage, this is a fun <laughs> enough one. To me, it's worth keeping for a dollar than selling for a quarter. Well, it's worth enough keeping for the effects. Yeah. I mean, how many movies do we like that are shitty, but they got cool stuff like that? There's there's some stuff in there worth watching at least. It's a it's not a very good movie, but it's got a charm to it. And I was surprised because I expected the internet to rip this apart. No. It no. seems like there's a following. There's quite a following. Yeah. And people like Joe Bob Briggs praises it. Really? Yeah. He was one of the earlier champions of it. Huh. Because he's talking about the charm in the effort. And that, I mean, there's a lot of people that feel that way, which I don't feel that strongly. No. I, which usually they're the ones that are eviscerating films that I'm defending is kind of flipped on this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's worthwhile enough if you're interested in that era. It's something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any other final thoughts on the dead pit? De Niro's quote in The Deer Hunter. This is this. This is this. So uh, Savini worked on uh, one scene in Alone in the Dark. Oh, okay. 
Gotcha. So the the one praise about this movie, I, I, it was the other film. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Todd, would you recommend this movie? <laughs> you don't have anything nice to say. Don't say anything at all. All right. It's a decisive I've, sip. I, I, I've seen worse. Yeah, We've seen enough. worse on the show for sure. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, moving right along into a real masterpiece of a film. Uh, Hot Toddy, take us home with your pick. Uh, so I chose Plan Nine from Outer Space, uh, 1959, written and directed by Ed Wood, uh, starring. I can never say her real name right, but uh, is it is it Mala Mela? Mela Nurmi. Yeah, uh, who almost everybody probably knows as Vampira, Bella Lugosi, Poor Johnson, Gregory Walcott, Criswell, and Lyle Talbot. Crisley? Crisley's in this movie. <laughs> Lyle Talbot dates back to pre-code films. It's he had, he'd been around as long as Lugosi. Um. So for uh, this is a Ed Wood box set set on the shelf for a while. I've never seen this movie. Um, I know it's uh, up there as like one of the worst films ever made. Um, I don't know if it's because I absolutely love Ed Wood the movie, um, but I don't know. To me, I definitely enjoyed watching this movie. But it's a first time watch. Um, I had I I don't know how many times I've seen this. Quite a few. Um, I was particularly interested in it as a child because it was a little bit newer in comparison to the Universal films that I'd watched, but it had Bela Lugosi and it had Tor Johnson, who, um, if you followed me on social media at some point, you've probably seen the picture that I have where I put white things over my eyes and was walking around impersonating Tor Johnson because he scared <laughs> the hell out of me from this as a child. So this is one I've seen probably at least, I don't know, five, six, maybe even 10 times over the years. Um, in my lifetime. So it was nothing new for me, but it was, I enjoyed revisiting it and we'll get more into where, where we stand on it and think about it later, I guess. I've seen it several times. I don't know how many I've seen. I love it. I, number one, I'm a, I've got an affinity for Tor Johnson. I don't know why, but I like things that he's in. Mm -hmm. Um, the movie is not good, but I have a blast watching it. It's like watching Sharknado. Yeah, well, well, go ahead, Grizz. First time view for me as well. Never seen this one before. Um, I decided to go with the black and white version. I wanted to see it in its uh, original uh, pure intention. Is it not in black and white? Uh, Amazon There's... had it in color. That's oh, how I watched weird. it this time. There's weird. a Blu-ray out with both versions too. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I get why it's made fun of, but this is by no means the worst movie I've ever seen. It's right. Well, it has been called the worst movie ever made for decades. Yeah, I mean, I get the effects are bad and some, and like some of the acting is silly and, and goofy, but it's I've seen way worse. You know how it is, though. People love to pile on. I went on a diatribe way back on our Jaws episode. Jaws 4 is a flawed film. Oh, yeah. It is not worthy of the levels pe people elevate it to in terms of the pantheon of the worst films ever made. And so people like to pile it on, and this is no different. Yeah. It's, it, it developed that reputation years ago, and people just have always ran with it. Yeah. Because I assure you, it didn't have the reputation when it came out because nobody saw it. Yeah. <laughs> it played like in L.A. and went nowhere and went away. Went on to TV years later. So I guess we could get into uh, what the movie's about. Yeah, I'd love to hear you explain yeah. this. So, <laughs> Strap in, boys. I'm going to, uh, as you know, we say in uh, 
in the field. Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. So, I want to know um, everything. That's my style of synopsis. Okay, so Plan 9 from Outer Space. Title um, alone. Okay, so this movie's about aliens who uh, habitat Hollywood. And uh, Plan 9 essentially is to... Um, so that they discover they can't take over humans because humans are too too uh, too strong for, for that. So uh, they uh, have found a way to resurrect the dead and control the dead. So they create um, essentially some zombies uh, to do their bidding. And that's Plan 9 from Outer Space. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Um, I think uh, I think a lot of with this movie, after watching it, I think a lot of it, it's almost the marketing to be like, because it's, remember when Geely came out with J-Lo where they're like, this is a shitty movie. It's the worst movie that came out this year. And you're like, it can't be. And then you're like, man, the... the and by uh, the time you go, this isn't the worst movie ever made, they go, got your money. Got it. Yeah. So, so this one, I feel like almost like it's the worst movie ever made. So you need to come see it in the theater. Um, kind of like Rocky Horror. Like, I, I feel like that was their angle to, to get people uh, in there because... Even for the time period, like there's definitely worse sci-fi from the '50s than this. Like vampires in the movie, it's like real moody. The music's good. I will not say the acting's good, no, but <laughs> neither's a lot of the the sci-fi '50 movies uh, from the same time period. Um, it was actually filmed on location. And again, I think even without watching Ed Wood, I would still have enjoyed this movie. Uh, but it's even more enjoyable when you watch uh, Ed Wood. Of, of them, like how they made this film or their version of it. So, I, so how, do, how does this end? We have aliens getting into the graves and resurrecting. We constantly are having cops arriving at the cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> what's our, what's our, I love how silly and here? rigid the aliens are. Yeah. You know, like Vampira and Tor Johnson are just like, <laughs> it's like holding one pose and creepily walking towards people. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like that the there's a funeral scene where you, it pans over and vampires just hanging out at the funeral because I was like man I want to start dressing up like that and showing up at funerals. <laughs> Guys, let's not church this up too much. Okay. I'm, I'm just wanting for the listeners to understand something that happens besides the aliens showing up. Just the ending. Let's not church this up too much. Let let's let's talk about the set, the cabin of the <laughs> the plane. <laughs> how cheap oh, yeah. those controls are those lawn chairs the shower curtain like oh <laughs> lord it's so bad uh how about how it switches from night to day yeah within the same scenes let's talk about how ed wood in its genius it really is in a carny sort of way Used footage that he had of Bela Lugosi. Oh, yeah. He was dead by the time this happened. And it wasn't even shot with the purpose of being in this movie. No, and so... He used what he had and built around that. Yeah. When you watch his character, it's a completely dude, different dude walking with the cape up around Yeah, it was, it was Ed Wood's dentist. Yeah. And that's because <laughs> he'd been working on this film with him resurrecting the vampire character and going around a graveyard at night. And he used that footage and Lugosi dropped dead. Yep. I, uh, and he was like, ah, I'm still going to use it. And they just injected it into this film and brought in did. another guy to cover and, like, up the, the narration, face. I think, is hilarious. The narration is the worst part of the movie. Ugh. Even worse than visuals. Like the, It's so redundant. They say the same words and ideas twice. The writing is just 
awful. Now that's where I think the making fun of it is worthy. Oh yeah, some well, of the the writing is just like the one scene where you see the tombstone get knocked over. <laughs> it's like cardboard. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I uh, I want to know why we have not made a movie like this. Uh, yeah, we we should work on that. The costuming is actually decent in this movie. That kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, I think the the effects on on Tor and Vampire is a vampire. Let's be honest. Yeah. But I thought like the way they did uh, Tor Johnson up because he's he's pretty scary looking. Oh, he's an enormous. He's dude. the best part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. He they did kind of the same thing in the Black Sleep. Uh, which Lugosi was also in, along with a few other people. But I also He's like the scary. I like the I like the character because they're like the old one, and they're like, "Here comes that fat guy." I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I said Ed Wood got more use of that Bell Lugosi, Lugosi footage than Universal did the creature from the Black Lagoon. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one one thing that I do think is interesting. This movie gets a, uh, one of the things that people like to jab at a lot and make fun of are your boom mics and other things that you see. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that, and that's because he planned on shooting it in widescreen to be presented. So hmm. he thought that the bottoms and tops of that framing were going to be cropped off. And so it's not him being completely inept mm-hmm. with, the, with the stuff that you see. He, it's, a, it's a perfect example of he completely outkicked what he was able to do. Oh, yeah. And that's the charm of it. Is he the move? This movie on paper is unfilmable, and oh, here yeah. comes Ed Wood to go. Here we go, and he's the king I'm of stock make footage. This movie. Yeah, uh, and I, <laughs> oh man, when uh, when he, you and your stupid minds, stupid, <laughs> stupid. stupid. <laughs> then he gets that was into the, <laughs> that was my favorite part of the whole movie. Or uh, I put my pants back the, on. The that. gun is the gun is jammed. Uh, uh, Sir, we've decided that we are going to implement Plan Nine. <laughs> I like how the out, the exterior of the ship is your typical flying saucer, sleek edges, and then inside is the most <laughs> angular square box room ever. Do you like the highway where the three uh, saucers are flying by the highway? <laughs> I I love it all for how b- bad it is. I just I love the idea of a guy refusing to let reality stop him. He wanted to make this movie and he did. And the joke is kind of on everyone else because here we are after fifty plus. Years oh yeah, later, this, this movie is more talked about than some films that were made in earnest back then. Well, and, and we're so probably many... successful this time that we don't even aren't even on anybody's radar anymore. Like <laughs> I, like like when's the last time somebody talked about the Blob from from the fifties? And the Blob was a major movie. Well, and you can look at so many movies that are regarded as up towards the top of being the worst ever. Something like Mano's Hands of Fate mm-hmm. is actually that bad. Um, that Troll 2 had way more resources Garbage. than this. It's bad, but it's, I mean, it's entertaining. But the. <laughs> d- oh, we're getting gris hot. Oh, I just but, got the. Back. Back, you devil. <laughs> but the difference with this is that he, there's nothing that you can hold against him in that regard. This dude literally, I mean, he was willing to kill himself to make these goofy movies. And I think that's why it's it's carried on that legacy is, if nothing else, Burton's movie about him, although it certainly poked fun at him. Oh, sure. It also made everyone kind of fall in love with the reality of who he was mm-hmm. and appreciate. 
and kind of go back in a revisionist way to look at these films in the way that they should be, which is you're kind of looking at it through the lens of somebody who is excited to make it as opposed to watching it. It's easy to belittle and make fun right. of. Um, but I, I think it's a really interesting uh, relationship that the film has had with viewers over the last 40 years. There's, it's, it's really continued to elevate to where people are so very patient with its background and contextualizing what they're seeing to appreciate it. I think that's cool. Because it is a bad movie, oh, yeah. but it's entertaining. There's hard in it. Yeah. I remember watching, I was like, yeah, sure, lots of this is silly, but not bugging me that much. I've watched, quote-unquote, better movies that I wanted to sleep through. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. I thought this was a fun movie. I could, I would definitely revisit this soon. Uh, especially, I think it would be fun to watch with uh, with with a group of people, like-minded people that, that kind of get these kind of films. Because yeah. it, it definitely was a, a fun watch. Oh, yeah, it's always fun to watch this It'd be movie. It's fun to watch with uh, some peyote. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> now we're talking. All right. Well, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Check it out. If you're a fan of the genre, I feel like you kind of have to watch this one. It's got to yeah. be got to be a merit match. I feel like there should at least be five more plans. <laughs> Todd's working up to Plan 16. <laughs> if so. you pay attention. <laughs> All right. We'll wrap it up. Another episode of the Monster Mash. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I've been hanging out with... Professor Wagstaff. Venomous Penny. Hot toddy. Stay scary. I will.